Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Delay, delay, delay. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Let's have the pincher over for our play date. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I am playing up. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Dunk, 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 dunk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about when other kids are bad influences. Bad influences. I mean, there's a possibility that your kid is a bad influence. We will talk about that. There's a startling possibility in some cases, yes. But probably what you're concerned about is when the other kid is a bad influence. Yeah. And this was a question from a listener, Laura. I'm just going to start with her question and we'll take it from there. Go for it. Laura says, I would love to hear you guys talk about bad influences and how to address them. Today at the park, my five-year-old daughter made friends with an older girl. That older girl, who I could tell was fun and had a vibrant personality. And see, there's the rub. Uh Uh-oh. Not fun. But it is kind of fun, right? They've got the twinkle. I mean, that's the rub. Anyway, so this older girl convinces Laura's daughter to be mean to Laura's three-year-old son and to make fun of him. And she says... I'm not saying my kids are always angels to each other, but typically my kids get along great and are each other's best playmates. And I knew my kid would not have treated her brother that way if not encouraged by her new friend. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. This is an interesting topic. Wouldn't have thought of it myself. Manifests itself in a lot of different ways, some funny ways and some not so funny ways. I mean, I'm going to come in hot as I like to try to do and say that This is the perfect storm of parental projection, too. Like, what you see as a bad influence, like, it's very easy to say that the problem with your kid is the kid next to your kid. Mm -hmm. I think it's not that it's not an issue, and there's lots of ways we're going to talk about it, but, like, this is definitely a check-yourself one, too, you know? And for my kids, even check yourselves, because I have a kid who gets in trouble at school. He has a vibrant personality, and... When he gets in trouble, I'm often saying to him, well, what happened? I heard you were, you know, acting up today. Well, really, it was Blank who was sitting next to me who started it. Like, it's never him. He's always fallen under the spell of a troubled, you know. He's got his own set of facts. (laughs) Yeah, he's got his own set of facts. And let me tell you, there's a, like, he did it quality. Do you remember a book? It's just coming to me now. I would have looked it up. But it was a story we read, and I remember being so fascinated by it. It was a grammar school story. No, it's a little boy, I think. He comes home, it's like second grade, and he's always like, oh my God, you won't believe what Oliver did today. Oliver did this, and Oliver did this, and he poured glue in the teacher's hair, and it's like this long list every day, and the mom gets really into it. She's like, oh my God, you have to tell me what Oliver did today. And she finally goes to the teacher conference, and the last line of the story is, there is no kid named Oliver in the class. And so it's sort of like, it's just, I think there can be a little bit of that quality, an Oliver quality. Well, in this situation in particular, I mean, I've seen my kids play with their cousins a lot, and I've seen my kids become the third in a cousin-sibling situation, right? And all of a sudden, there's lots of ajita that isn't usually present, and it's because the triangulation possibility is present. So it sounds like, I mean, maybe this kid was a little devil, but maybe also it was just that your kid was 
trying to play up to the slightly older kid and the way to be like, I'm cool like you is to reject the younger person. I don't think that would happen in any situation. For sure. Certain kids are very susceptible to this behavior, which is they get crazy. I have one kid, man, when his friends are over, I'm like, oh, look at Mr. So-and-so, suddenly like ruler of the roost and Mr. Smart Talk and Talk Backy. You know, he gets very performative around friends. So do you think that the kid who was a bad influence is often sort of the brightest and most interesting Like the kid in one of my kids' lives, I'm going to keep this very vague, you guys, but the kid who, in one of my children's lives, who has, as they've gotten older, become the one that I'm like, okay, I think maybe we're going to start spending a little less time with this kid based on some things I'm starting to pick up on. But that kid, as a smaller child, was the child who had the most to say to me. Like if I wanted who said what to who in second grade, this person was the source. Cub reporter in my kitchen, but not in a tattletale way. Just like, so what do you want to know? I mean, I'll tell you everything. A kid who was extremely gregarious, extremely fun to talk to, lots of personality. I could see when my kid wanted to be with this kid and maybe the devil also. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, to be a bad influence, you have to fundamentally be a leader, right? You have to have some sort of leadership quality because no one's being influenced to be bad by like the kid sitting in the corner. You have to have leadership skills to be a bad influence. I mean, bad influence can be kind of a compliment in a way, but then there's also, I think as you get over the more generic bad influence, I think this will be a companion episode to our episode about having different rules than the other kids' parents. Like there's a lot of crossover there, which is like, there's also, as you get older, the bad influence, that's not just like, I'm telling you to do stuff. It's that kids who get start smoking, kids who start drinking at an early age, kids who become sexually active early, like that's a different kind of bad influence, right? Where it's not just like, hey, go tell your sister that she's an idiot. It's like their lifestyle and their structure. And I will say that like, I remember growing up that my parents were more wary of my friendships with people who came from kind of like less stable environments in a way. And I remember thinking that they were just like vicious, irredeemable snobs. And then as an adult, I see a little bit more of their perspective, which is like they see those kids as having fewer boundaries. They were seeing behavior in the kids that maybe I wasn't seeing, that I thought it was about their like snobbishness. And it was really about like, Well, those kids are heading somewhere at a faster pace than you're going to get there. And I don't know if you're ready for it. Right. So this is one kind of thing for younger kids and then a very different kind of thing for older kids because you have to start to offload some of this, that small voice in your head. The older kids have to do a little bit of that for themselves. Yep. And this is another thing that like we work on verbalizing it all the time. What do you see people doing? So here's why this matters, right? This is a quote from Betsy Brown Braun. Betsy Brown Braun? Knock yourself out with that name, you alliterative lady, you. Just to like put, you know, sort of parameters around why does this matter? She says peer influence is remarkably powerful throughout anyone's life, but it's never more impactful than in childhood when the self is still being formed. So Laura is not wrong to be concerned about, is my kid going to be super susceptible to behaviors where I'll just like be unkind to anybody if it gets me in with the cool kid for five minutes? It's not something you're going to have to like stay up at night worrying about, but you're not wrong to sort of wonder about how do I sort of help my kid make better decisions when confronted with these possibilities. And you can keep your kid away from bad influences, but we'll talk about whether that's always possible. No, even always a good idea. Some experts say, no, it's not a good idea. So we'll talk about why. And also as kids get older, how do we help them start to make some of these choices for themselves about who they're going to spend time with or not? Mm, Yeah. And I would back you up on that as kids get every day. This is like my thing of like, you don't start letting them cross the street at 18. Like this is a conversation that starts happening at that playground with your five-year-old and then keeps going because the bad influences are coming. They're a non-negotiable. So like you've better be talking about this at all ages and stages. Betsy Brown Braun says that if your kid's under 10. (laughs) I just can't get enough of that name. I want to get a. We have to have her on the show, right? (laughs) Yeah, or just get a sweatshirt with that name on it. So your name was Brown, and then you married to him, and his name was Braun. So she says, anyway, there's an article for Real Simple Magazine that it's written by Jennifer Blyer. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, and she interviewed Dr. Brown, who says, if your child's under 10, 
that you can talk with her about listening to that little voice deep inside conscience, otherwise known, that tells her to avoid danger. Now, it's not really dangerous for Laura's kid at the playground to enjoy picking on her brother for a little while. It's not really dangerous. So the message has to be a little more massaged there about like, that was kind of fun. She had a good time with this older kid making her brother cry for a little while. Like, it's not dangerous. It was a little bit of good fun. No, Evangeline Lilly talked about that in the Challenging Kids episode that like in her book, there was a line that was like, though her something was something her fear felt delicious. And it's like that tingly excitement you get when you're first at a party where you know, something illicit is going on. Like, it's a delicious sensation. Like, if it was an unpleasant situation, people would just walk away. And Dr. Braun also says that with sort of... Dr. Who now, Amy? Dr. Betsy Braun-Braun. Thank you. says that you should be careful of forbidding relationships with kids, lest you have a little Romeo and Juliet effect rebound. Oh, guys, you got to hear Betsy Braun-Braun on that one, because that is really true. Now, when your kid is little, you don't have to be like, you may not play with, I mean, we got, I remember talking about this on the show once, I got like totally iced by another mom. One of my kids was pretty young. And I said, like, I hear they really enjoy playing together at school. We should set up a play date. And this mom fully said to me, well, that's not going to happen. And I was like, wow. Okay. That happened to me as well. She wasn't quite so, but we had one of those disastrous play dates and the other mom was like, the look of disgust on her face as she shut the door after my kid had told her her meatloaf was disgusting and like had a tantrum about taking off his shoes to go in the house. I mean, the look of disgust on her face was like all I needed to know. We were never going back there. Right. So you can kind of take care of this. And it was pretty good to you and to me in that situation. Like, okay, we're going to expand our friend circle. I don't even know why. I guess my kid was a bad influence. You're always the last to know. Well, I think the cable guy is definitely an oldie locks alert, right? In the movie, The Cable Guy. The movie, The Cable Guy. Yeah, probably. Back in my day. Jim Carrey plays the cable guy. He gets obsessed with Matthew Broderick. I guess he installs his cable. I've saw it a long time ago. I don't exactly remember the plot. He wants to be Matthew Broderick's best friend. And Matthew Broderick at some point is like, I just don't have room in my life for any new friends right now. And that's become like the phrase that plays in my mind. When someone's like, yeah, we should do that someday. I'm like, oh, they're saying they don't have room in their life for any new friends right now. They're cable guying me. I mean, you have to take the hint. So when you're that mom and your kid is that little, you can just sort of be conveniently unavailable for the invitations that come your way. But your kid's still going to be at school. They still got a lot of playtime with the kid who likes to pinch the other kids. Yeah. And like, also, guys, like we're human beings, like the kid who likes to play pinch the other kids is maybe doing that because they're isolated. So like maybe be kind of part of the solution too. like, I worry that I come down a little too much on this side because I have an overdeveloped sense of sympathy towards bad kids for my own personal reasons that I will not go into at this juncture. But I'm a pro pincher. Like I'm like, Let's have the pincher over for a play date. You know, like, will no one think of the pincher? But no joke, like, allowing the, like, quote-unquote bad kid from the troubled family to become more and more socially isolated, spoiler alert, that doesn't turn out that great. Like, I resist strongly the idea that, like, there are good kids and bad kids and your good kid needs to be protected from the bad kids. If that's the story you're telling yourself, I don't know. I don't buy it. I got some expert backup for you on this. Good. Dr. Timothy Verdwin, who is a professor of child psychiatry. Wow. Yeah. Really fun names from the experts this week, guys. Good job. If we have like a Sam Brown, we can't have him on because he's too boring. Dr. Verdwin says, if you want kids who are resilient, you can't isolate them from social pathogens. Think about the long view. (laughs) Okay. First of all, I like Verdwin and I like his point, but I'm saying social pathogens might not be a helpful way to describe humans in order to make my point. But go ahead. There's a range. I don't think that the pincher is a social pathogen. <laughs> social pathogen. Yeah. The human cancer who comes into your child's life. Like, relax. But he says, think about the long view. You're training your kids to handle less than ideal people and to solve their own problems. Yeah, I guess. I'm not in love with social pathogens, but okay. Well, all right. It was funny. I enjoyed imagining the, like, block thrower as a social pathogen. Dunk, 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 dunk. But you can, like, not have that kid come over because you can't deal, but your kid is still dealing with that bad influence at school. You know, more and more of your kids' lives are being spent outside the house and with you not overseeing their interactions. So you do have to help little kids 
figure out how they're going to manage this. Yeah, no, I mean, that's absolutely true. And like, I have kids who are now entering middle school. And one thing that I've been kind of shocked by is like our grammar school is lovely, but just kind of bubble wrapped wonderland. And then our middle school starts in fifth grade. Suddenly in fifth grade, like every kid has a phone and after school, it's like, hey, let's walk into town and hang out all day. And I'm like, wait, these kids have gone from like never being unsupervised with like 10 moms sitting around like, you know, the soccer sidelines being like, be nice to him to like the free world in over the course of a summer, it seems to me. And I'd rather have them free and roaming, but it does seem like, are you really ready to be doing this? Right. With nobody there saying, use your words, Jasmine. Right. (laughs) Use your words, Jasmine, has come out of the equation and they're suddenly like roving packs in like the Dunkin' Donuts downtown, just acting the fool. All right. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, lots more advice. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back. And we know this is a problem, right? I mean, we know this is a concern, let's say. Okay, so we have one more piece of advice for little kids that I thought was really good. This is from Eileen Kennedy-Moore who's a parenting expert. Eileen, your name is not exciting, but we will consider taking your advice nonetheless. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) It is hyphenated. Kennedy Moore says that if you have a kid over who is a diva, you know, the pre-K play date, this kid comes over and they throw a fit in your house and they're like having a meltdown, somebody else's kid, you sort of same team it with your child and say, oh, Lily seems very upset right now. Let's give her a little bit of space. Let's go over here until she calms down, which sort of protects your kid from being responsible for it, shows your kid how to coexist with it, you know, and not give into it at the same time. Does that advice seem bonkers to me? Like, so you have a kid coming over who's having a hard time and you and your child like walk away and leave them alone and talk about how they're being bad. She don't say she's being bad, but like, let's give her some space because she seems upset right now. Depends on how old. You can't do this with a somebody else's three-year-old. I'm having a little trouble picturing how that would work. But this is what I would say. I'm probably mischaracterizing her advice. But I do think it's really important that you have kids over a lot and you talk about house rules. So we are entering a phase of life right now with a lot of cursing. The boys really like cursing. 
and we don't allow cursing in our house. We have a zero tolerance policy on cursing at our house. There is no cursing allowed. And so I now often have boys in my house who I'm saying to them, if you use curse words at my house, I will have to take you home. And I will. And like, if they use curse words, I would call a parent and be like, come get your kid. They're cursing, actually done it, pull the ripcord on it. And like, I think that that is very, very impactful for kids about like our rules are our rules and your rules are your rules. And I've had kids say to me like, I'm allowed to curse. And I'm like, that's totally fine at your house. But right now you're in my house. And so my house rules are this and your house rules are meaningless to me. And it's not. And this gets a little bit into sometimes with our parents. We don't allow Fortnite in our house. We allow a lot of nonsense, but Fortnite is just one of those things that I've just drawn a line on. It's really not a huge moral position. I don't even want to go into it. We don't allow Fortnite at our house. My son has a habit of going to other people's houses and announcing loudly, we don't play Fortnite because my mom thinks it's inappropriate for children and is wrong. And I'm like, then the mom's looking at me like trying to hide the Fortnite controllers as quickly as possible. And I'm like, it's really not that thing. Like what you do at your house is your house, but like house rules, personal rules and the way that you act is the way that you act regardless of how other people are acting. That is a lesson that we try to hit a lot of times. Do you think it's important for your kid to understand? So your kids play Fortnite if they go to somebody else's house where it's allowed? Yep. Okay. Does your kid have a sense of like what it is about the Fortnite that you don't like? So they sort of carry their values into that situation? He generally knows that I think it's inappropriate. Honestly, it was one of those random things that I took a look at and I was like, we're not even going to bother with that. And I haven't even done a deep dive on it. I was like, it seems to involve a lot of busty women shooting. I'm not interested. That's all I know about it. And so I can't even justify my own objection to it. But I looked at it and I was like, what do we need this in our lives for? We're just going to say no to it. And it's been fine. Well, and you're holding the door. I mean, that's my favorite parenting tactic is delay, delay, delay. And I think that that's fine, but you can't, you're already finding out, or I guess if it were really important to you, then you'd have to have the like uncomfortable conversation. Like, do you have Fortnite in your house? Because we don't do that. You're sort of like, it's important to me. I hold the line in my house. It isn't that I think my kids should be free of a world with busty women shooting stuff. He's going to encounter it. So I want him to understand my feelings about it. Right. But it kind of underscores that like, we don't really respect this value. I mean, my mom didn't allow Barbies in our house. She thought they were like, I don't know, bad representations of women. But like when I went out of the house, all I want to do is play Barbies. It wasn't, it didn't kill my desire to play with Barbies, but it sort of underscored for me in ways that I didn't even understand. Like, oh, we have some values that are different than other people's values. Like it's even, I think you can't set them up totally falsely, but giving voice to your values is a really good thing. And I'll give you the most seared in my memory example from my childhood, which is that in fifth grade, I think, last year of elementary school, I had always been like, you know, early grades, everyone was like, go along to get along. Fourth grade, there were like popular girls who developed. And I was always like, if there were five popular girls, I was the sixth. Like I was hanging on the cusp. But I had a friend, a vestigial friend from earlier who was not popular at all. And she was, in fact, kind of a weirdo. And my birthday party in fifth grade came along and I did the invitations and I only invited the five above me, the five popular because I was like, this is my shot in, you know, we're going to have this party. Just like the kid at the sandbox. I am playing up. I am playing up and like, I can really make this happen now by dropping vestigial friend once and for all. And my parents sat me down and they were like, we're really, really disappointed in you that you did this and it's not right. And you should feel really bad about what you did. And it is up to you whether or not you invite your, you know, loser friend. But we're really disappointed that you did this. And I remember it to this day. And of course, I like invited her. And then we kind of had this like slightly nice party where I feel like everyone was going out of the way to be like, look at how we include this other person. But I think giving voice to your values is something that we sometimes forget to do as parents. And it's a really, really smart and great thing to do. Do it early and often so that when they start to be in these situations without you, they're going to make the better choice. Put a real fine point on it. Like, it's okay to sit your kid down and be like, I'm really disappointed to hear that you excluded someone. Or, you know, I've had that sometimes where I've sat my kid down and I'll tell you what, it goes right to a kid's soft underbelly. If you can get them in a quiet moment, I'll sometimes say like, I was really sort of disappointed to see that you kids were playing 
at the park and you were clearly annoying that man and you laughed about it instead of changing your behavior. That was really disappointing for me to see. And like giving strong, specific voice to like, we are trying to raise you with a set of values and that behavior was outside of those values and that disappointed us. Well, you're hitting on something totally important as kids get older, which is that the pack mentality is appealing and it's also extremely safe. And kids sort of like tweens age maybe need to be told that just because the pack mentality was one way doesn't make it okay. It's an obvious point that needs to be made over and over again to kids that age because kids start to conform their behavior to their peers as they get to be sort of middle schoolers. And what their peers think about them becomes at least as important as what their parents do. So I think, yeah, we do need to push back against that a little bit and say, this is, you know better. I think on the flip side, my sister had an experience as a grammar schooler where my mom kind of took a hard line against like in the I guess late 70s, early 80s, like designer jeans were the only thing that mattered to your social life. Like having these, they were called Jordache or Gold Digger. Those were the two brands of jeans. I still remember them. You can go for it. You can get into Gold Diggers. Yes. Okay. Major oldie logs alert. You might have to play two here. I mean, serious. Back in my day. Back in my day. And my mom was, of course, like, they're stupid and we're not those people. We're taking a stand against them. And then my sister just became increasingly socially isolated to the point where she had to leave the school. Not because my mom wouldn't let her wear designer jeans, but I think in talking to my mom later, like, I would reconsider the Fortnite thing if I felt like, man, I have a kid who's, like, socially awkward and Fortnite seems to be with the socially awkward kids do to get a lug. It's the only currency that he's able to... I might let him play Fortnite. Like, I think it's good to try to keep, listen, I'm not letting them vape to fit in with the cool kids, but like, you know what I mean? If it's harmless, like, I think sometimes in the same way that you say, like, don't take a hard stand against the bad influence, like the bad influence kid, don't take a hard stand against like the bad influence stuff, because sometimes it's harmless. Well, it seems to me that there's a difference, too, as kids get older between watching a movie that's PG-13 and then maybe they're watching an R movie when they're 13 or 14 and actually like doing risky things. Can I give you some risk-taking studies that were done? Yep. This was a 2005 study. I thought this was pretty interesting. They found that being with your peers during a risk-taking task, they didn't specify what this was, but they had kids do a risk-taking task. And middle adolescents, if they were with their peers, they doubled how risky they were willing to be. Well, they do car driving tests. Like people, kids take a lot more risks if they're driving. So it was twice as much if they were middle schoolers, and it was like 50% more if it was college undergraduates. So the level of susceptibility is lessening, and then adults, no impact at all. Interesting. And I do think like it's good, Jen, they're starting to pass like a new driver's regulations where it's like you have to be this old to drive and this old to drive with another teenager in the car. Like they have found that like letting your teens engage and like forget that driving is a risky behavior, but it is. Risky driving goes up when you've got other teens in the car. That's a good way to think of it. There was another study. I thought this was very interesting. Developmental psychology. They studied what ages are most susceptible to peer pressure. And they figured that, you know, like the entire teen years were all sort of uniformly terribly susceptible to peer pressure. That's what we kind of picture, right? And in popular culture, it's presented that way for sure. But the studies showed that peer influences, like the peak of being influenced by your peers is 14. And then from 14 to 18, your ability to resist peer influence and do your own thing increases rapidly. And then from 18 to 30, it kind of stays the same. By the time you go off to college, whatever sort of level of susceptibility you're at, and that will vary, stays the same like into early adulthood. And then at 40, you're like, I don't care at all anymore. Yeah. Right. And they also found that girls were more likely than boys to stand up for what they, they believed in rather than alter their behavior to impress their peers. Huh. I'm surprised I would have said the opposite. But now that you say it, it does kind of, I think of like girls as like, oh my God, the fashion, it all has to be exactly the same. But like boys are much more like packy in terms of like, if we're all like throwing stones at this like cat, we're all going to do it, you know? Yeah. Maybe the boys is like, let's all show that we're cool by jumping off this rock that's a little bit too high off the ground. 
I was a rebel in seventh and eighth grade by we had to wear I was a parochial school girl. I think you were too. And so I had to wear, you know, a plaid uniform and knee socks, like always knee socks to school. And back in my day, it was like, what kind of social pathogen would wear pants under the uniform skirt? I mean, it didn't matter if it was zero. You wore knee socks, bare legs, uniform skirt want me to wear pants to school under my uniform and I would like get out to the driveway and take off my pants and stuff them in my book bag. That's so funny because now I was a public school girl until eighth grade, but then I went to private school. I went to Catholic school and our big thing, total opposite, was wearing sweatpants under your skirt. And if the nuns came by, you would pull the sweatpants up so they couldn't see them. And then as soon as the nuns passed, you would pull them back down. Now it's like there weren't leggings back then. Now my daughter also wears a school uniform every day and she just wears like leggings under the skirt and who cares? And I'm like, and if I tried to get her to wear knee socks, same thing. She would be like, mom, you're being a bad influence on me. We have to move away. (laughs) I can't live like this. I can't do this. So the things that, and again, I mean, maybe my mom looked out the window one day and saw me changing in the driveway. That's the kind of like rebellion that I think you would say that your mother would have said, you kind of let that go. So they think they're being, I thought I was a pink lady. Yeah. And I think also the thing about the bad influence is the same thing is like, okay, watch what they're influencing and where the lines are. And I go back to my mom's thing always, which is like, you draw the lines tighter than you actually want them. You draw the lines at like, we will never be disrespectful, but you know that there are going to be times where your kid laughs behind a teacher's back. Like that's going to happen, but you don't move the lines out to catch your kid. You keep the same lines and they get the feeling of like, this is what it feels like. This is that delicious sensation of doing something that is against the rules. But if your lines are tight, they can taste that and then come back in. You know, it occurs to me that this all kind of goes together. Like the, you can't start being resistant to your peers' influence until you're individuated enough from your parents to do what you think or what your peers think instead of what your mom tells you to do. Like you can't start charting your own path until it's not your parents' path anymore. So you get to this age where like you're pulling up the sweatpants and or, you know, changing out of your uncool outfit in the driveway that you can't really start deciding how resistant to peer influence you're going to be until you stop being influenced by your parents 100% of the time. So this is where it gets tricky. This is where it gets tricky. All right, more after this. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get 
$100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, Lumen dot me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, from the What Fresh Hell podcast, your ultimate kid-friend breakup album. Breakup songs by kids for kids that capture the unique heartbreak when friendships go bad. You'll start with track one. Look, we talked a lot when we were in AYSO soccer, but now the season's over. Then it's on to track two. I'm not into Shopkins anymore, so I'm having play dates with Sarah who likes American Girl. And that's not all. The Kid Friend Breakup album brings you hit after hit. Songs like Jeannie Says You're Weird and I'm Trying to Get In with the Popular Crowd, Sorry. You're still into YouTube videos, but I'm into girls now. And I'm moving to Guam because my dad got a job there. Maybe we can FaceTime. The Kid Friend Breakup's album also brings you deep cuts like Sheila told me that you told Debbie that Carly said that you hated my friend Rachel. The ultimate kid-friend breakup album is here. Don't let your kids navigate a friend breakup without it. Okay, something else I want to underline about this is this is a one of the many areas in which we think we have a lot more control than we actually do. Like, the idea of, like, who your kid is going to be friends with there's a George Packer piece in The Atlantic this week uh, that we'll post. It's all about sending his kids to school. It's, it's got a lot going on in it that's not germane to what we're talking about. But he talks about sending his kids to public school and that he, as this sort of like intellectual dude, sees a kid reading Animal Farm at like the elementary school. And he's like, my son, go be friends with the kid reading Animal Farm. Like, that's what he thinks a good play. Like, he wants his son to be the kid reading Animal Farm, and his second choice is for his son to be the kid who is friends with the kid reading Animal Farm. And his kid's friends are just not that person. And that's been really interesting to me as a mom. I feel like I come from a kind of lockstep, like intellectual, like going to a certain kind of school and getting a certain kind of grades kind of family. And like two of my kids are seem to be completely rejecting that premise in every way. Like, and I'm finding it harder than I thought, but I'm accepting the fact that like, yeah, I'm kind of like, wait, why aren't you friends with like the kid who won the spelling bee? That seems like a good kid. But like they're friends with who they're friends with, you know, and you have to be aware of the Eddie Haskell possibility. Do you know who Eddie Haskell is? Wow, Amy, you are dragging out the mother of all oldie locks alerts. That's even before my time. Jordash jeans. I'm going to take it back to black and white television. Yeah, I mean, it was before my time, but it was on reruns and I would watch Leave It to Beaver, which was a 1950s sitcom back in my day adorable very good like i used to have my kids watch lassie and leave it to beaver and i love lucy when they were little they're very good wholesome influences for your kids anyway leave it to beaver was about this kid the beef and his older brother wally just i don't know being kids in middle america but the most interesting character on the show is eddie haskell who was wally's friend and he was always over in the kitchen you know having pie after school and he was the most Cleavers. That was the name of the family. And he was always the most unctuous, like, good afternoon, Mrs. Cleaver. I must say you look lovely today, that kind of thing. And as soon as the parents left the room, he was like, let's go set off firecracker. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like, all right, we're going to the watering hole. Yeah, yeah. He was a terrible influence on Wally. But to the parents, they were always like, what a lovely young man. So polite and well-spoken. And he was like a Trojan horse. So I think you can't always... Sometimes I've seen my kids be weirdly resistant to me, like, why don't you go out with this person, spend some more time with that person? And sometimes I think there's stuff going on we don't know about. It's hard to get that right. They might be making better choices than we realize sometimes. In the same way that, like, we talk about the only behavior, you can only influence, like, behavior. You can only influence your kid's own behavior. You can't really extend to like, why don't you be friends with the kids who I think are yep. the good kids? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then you'd have to trust. And I think we all have that instinct of like the person you want to be friends with is the most, you know, popular kid who won the spelling bee and is all the teacher's favorite. Like, eh, maybe that's not your person. And I think there's a danger in playing into like my perception I had a lot of righteousness. We talked about it in birth order that like middle children tend to be like righteous, like scale 
watchers, justice police, present counters, but also the thing of like, I was obsessed in high school with the thing that my, the kids who my parents thought were the good kids in my high school were to me the most venal kids in my high school. They were mean. They were like the rich kids from good families, but they were horrible people. And like some of the kids who were like the 'er ne'er-do-wells who I was kind of more friendly with, they were like actually nice people. And like I found that my parent, any attempt of my parents to kind of influence where I went set off my justice police alarms quite terribly. And as you look back, do you think you were right? Like you were picking the better half? I was 100% correct. As usual, I was never wrong. But no, but at the same time, I was hanging with a little bit of a crowd that was certainly faster than me. And I was always, I definitely got myself into some situations where I was in a little bit over my head with stuff. But I will go back to my favorite point on this topic, guys, and I'm struggling with it myself. As a kid who was not popular, who was in fact, I wasn't a sociopath at it, but I was a nerd. I was a loser. I had no friends. I find this chip on my shoulder that comes out raising children that I want my kids to be popular, that I find I see popular kids walking around and my kid's not with them. And I feel like, oh no, this is wrong. My kid should be with the popular kids. Like I have, it brings up some weird, like deep seated, like PTSD loser alert in me. The best gift you can give your kids is to have them not be popular. Popularity forces a lot. Like to me, the bad influence is like being part of the popular fast crowd. I was talking to a friend of mine who grew up in the town that I now live in. And she was saying that they lived in this house and there was a spot behind them in the woods that was like where the like cool kids would go to party and like drink beer and make out basically. And then she's like, yeah, my whole life was like sitting in my bedroom window and watching the popular kids pass me, like going into the woods. Like she was not invited to the woods. But I would argue strongly that it is your best wish as a parent for your kid to be the one sitting at the window, not walking into the woods. What drives me crazy about the word popular is like they tend to be the kids who are like unkind and like they're not well liked. They're maybe feared and they probably are often a bad influence. And the people they surround themselves with are just those most willing to be susceptible to whatever the leader says. For sure. I mean, we're painting with a hugely broad brush, but I just remember like the couple of times that I really felt that I was like in danger of making stupid, bad choices about serious things in high school were the times where I somehow got myself in to like a party or a situation where I was the loser and the popular kids were doing something. And I mean, my parents spent their whole lives, I may have told the story in the podcast before, but it is germane. Like I spent my whole life pretty much like going along and getting along and doing fine. And my parents drilled all this stuff into me very specifically about like who to be and like not to break rules just because other people were blah, blah, blah. And I followed that. And like at one point in my junior year, I somehow accidentally got invited to a party where there were cool kids. And I only had a driver's permit. I wasn't allowed to drive at night. I was like 15. I'd like driven like three times. And like three lacrosse players right away were like, we need a ride. We heard you have a driver's license. And I was like, but I'm not allowed to. And they're like, come on, get in the car, go. And I drove them around for like three hours. And like, if I had crashed the car, they were all drinking, I'm sure. I hadn't been drinking because I was still too nerdy to even try drinking. But like, I was not ready to not be susceptible to that peer pressure. The only thing saving me from not doing that every night was not being involved in the situation. And that I would like urge you as the takeaway of like the bad influence is like, even if they're with a really bad influence, keeping kids out of the situation. Like if you have a kid who has romantic partner who you think is moving faster than they are, your only real control is to keep them out of the situations where that's going to be a problem. You know, you can't control how they feel about that romantic partner, but you can control to some degree when they're much younger, how often they and that romantic partner are alone. You know that you've got to exert your control where you can. Let's talk about something that I'm actually interested in because it's currently something that I battle with as a parent of two teenagers, which is at what point do you alert the parent of the kid who's being the bad influence? Should you ever? And if the answer is maybe sometimes, like when is it a good idea and how do you pursue it? This is if your kid didn't invite my kid to a party and their feelings were hurt. I think unless you're absolute best friends with the other parent, I don't think that's a useful conversation. But I'm talking about like substance abuse, you know, self-harm, things like that. 
Yeah, we talked about this a lot in the When Should Kids Tell episode and lots of interesting stuff on this topic, but what do you got? Yeah, so I'm wondering, like, when do you... So I'm starting to see on my kids' phones references to other kids are making to partaking in behaviors that their parents might be surprised to know about. And the advice that I found online, as I was sort of preparing for this, what Diana Simeon wrote an article for Your Teen Mag, and it said, if you know for a fact that another teenager is behaving destructively, you have to consider how to get that information to another parent. I'm like, well, I'm reading them talking about it on social media. Is that still for a fact? Because they could be just saying it. And if I'm reading it on social media, so could the parent if they so chose. So it's sticky. And of course, you don't want your kids to get in trouble. But I do feel like sometimes you need to know because I've also seen parents who are friends get the call from the school or whatever, and they're always surprised. And I mean, frankly, heaven forbid, I would be too. I think if you have a relationship, you can definitely go in. And I also think we're being a little bit in this, like I'm coming out a little bit on the side of like, well, maybe it's your kid and blah, blah, blah. Before we get out of this, I think we should acknowledge that there are kids who are genuinely like bad influences and worry your kid. And like, this is a category of like, okay, so you have a kid, your kid is friends with someone you know is dealing drugs at school, let's say. I mean, that's not the situation of like, Well, let's not isolate them just because I'm talking almost too much from the little kid point of view. This does become a point where you, I think, have to sit your kid down and say, what that person is doing is dangerous. And as a result, it is dangerous to you to be in that orbit. And I don't want you hanging out with that kid. If it is someone you have a relationship with, you might consider calling the parent and saying, I am not going to allow Johnny to hang out with Billy anymore because this behavior has gotten out of control. Are you aware of it? I don't even know where I come down on that, but I think there are times and then you have to realize that you don't have a ton of control at school and other places. And so there are kids who I would say, you know what? Their behavior is too out of control too often. And I don't want you hanging out together. And I might at that point make a call to that person's mom and say, you know what? We need to take a little break for a little while. Every time they're together, there's just a lot of like cursing and boundary pushing and I don't want it. And so we're not going to do it right now. Eileen Kennedy Moore had, I thought was a little bit of good advice about this. If you are going to make the call in a situation like this, that you should try to express concern for what your kid and the other kid were doing to avoid getting the other parent, you know, angry and like the wall goes up to say, like, I don't know if you heard this, but our girls were talking about this. I overheard our boys talking about this other thing. I have a reason to believe that they, you know, were talking about where they could buy X. That's got to be good advice because you don't, I think a lot of times you come at it from like your kid, my angel was fell in with your horrible monster, your social pathogen, and now it's all a problem. Like, I think come at it from the point of view of, you know, we do like a weekly activity at my house with a bunch of boys. And a couple of weeks ago, I sent an email to all the parents and I was like, hey, the cursing is out of control and we're not having it. So from now on, the new policy at this event that happens at our house is cursing gets you sent home. Please you know, let me know if you have any issue with that, but that's the policy going forward. And it wasn't, my kids were involved in it too, you know, but I think you've got to involve yourself in the whole issue. It does get a lot harder as you get older. And also your contact, I see it still from the little kid's point of view of like contact means like you and I are hanging out in the room and our kids are playing together. In high school, I'm like, who is that kid? I've never even heard of their parents. Like, You don't have a relationship with them where you're picking up the phone and being like, hey, I caught our kids smoking cigarettes. Is that okay with you? You know, it's it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder when you're like, I don't know if you know me, but yeah, it's not. You're in the room seeing it happen. And I think with your kid, it's a good idea to attack it that same way, too, which is not demonizing other people. But this behavior that I see in you when you and blah, blah are together concerns me and I don't know. Is the problem that it's you and blah, blah together? Is the problem that this is behavior that you're now engaging in? Like, I think involving them in the conversation, when you demonize someone else, kid's story is already like you don't understand, but you don't really understand. Like, My parents didn't really understand the vibe that was going on in my high school where like everyone was in because I went to like a kind of 
fancy Catholic girl school. Like everyone was an Eddie Haskell. And then behind the scenes, they were doing like all sorts of nonsense. And like, you know, my parents kind of seeing the. I felt like everyone at the school were like, these kids are good and these kids are bad. And they had it exactly backwards. And so any suggestion that started with like, well, you know, I don't want you hanging around with that person. It's like, you have no idea what's real. So like try to take it from the point of view of like, I don't like this behavior. I notice this behavior more when you're with blah, blah. What's going on? Yeah, you're so right that we have to consider the possibility as our kids get older that we don't necessarily know who the bad influences are. We're not necessarily right at all. So keep your mind open if you think your kid is going down a path that it could be your kid owns at least part of the ownership of what they're doing. And even in the worst case scenario where like they have fallen in with like a kid who is a truly bad influence, your only control is going to come if you can work through that with your kid, you know? So it never helps to be like, this demon has control of you and we're going to cut them out of your life. Not a good place to start. Guys, go back and check out our episode on when should kids tell and when you don't like your friend's kids, because there's a lot of crossover and all this stuff. It's like we could do 10 episodes on this. Such an interesting topic. But for now, I'm going to say we solved it. We solved it. Yeah, exactly. Now I know just what to do. With the help of some really funly named experts. Who remembers Eddie Haskell? Come tell us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash whatfreshhellcast. You can also come check us out on Instagram at whatfreshhellcast, on Twitter at WFH Podcast. Yeah, and we had a bunch of interesting studies today and articles. And you want to see what's her name? Betsy Brown Braun. Betsy Brown Braun. You want to read her stuff? We're going to link to all of that on our show page, which you can get in the app you're listening to the show right now on. Or you can also go to our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Guys, that's it. Go out and be a good influence. It starts with you. Start with the influence in the mirror, guys. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.